time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, well, uh, we are in this series called Entourage. Raise your hands and let's pray together. Raise them high with me. Raise them high. Come on, get them up. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. And God, we come before you grateful for what you're doing here at DSM. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for the relationships that are being built. God, we ask that you would help us to grow in friendships. God, we want to be good friends to you. We want to be good friends to in our generation. We ask, Lord, that you would help us and strengthen us. And all of DSM said, amen. 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 Good job. Well, I want to know, have you, ever, have you ever had someone that really fought for you? Like really fought for you? Maybe it was a mom or a dad. Maybe it was uh, a coach. Um, maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was, but, but somebody that really put your good above them and they fought for you. They cared for you. They wanted your best. They even diligently maybe did work or put themselves in a way where they had to sacrifice for your sake. Have you ever had someone that really fought for you, that really cared enough for you, that they were willing to go out of their way to intentionally do things that made your life better? I'm just thinking about what it means for us to be friends, what it means for us to actually be a friend to other people. And what's the highest kind of friendship? What's the kind of friendship that we can develop with others? What's their highest good? I've had someone fight for me. I've got, I have a few stories. One of them is this. When I was in, uh, a sophomore in high school, I was in the 10th grade. My brother Dan was in the 5th grade. And we would go play basketball all the time with the neighbor kids. And I'll never forget one time where a kid who was about my size and I, we were guarding each other. And my brother was only in the 5th grade. And this kid came, pushed me over. Dan Perkins was in fifth, fifth grade, little tiny kid. He had a bowl cut, you know, the shave with the bowl right there. He had, the, he had the bowl cut. He was rocking it. And Dan Perkins got mad at the big kid who pushed me over. I was five years older. And Dan walks over and he, and he looks at this kid, looks up at him like this. And he's like, how dare you push my brother? He pushes him. He goes, come on, bring it on. And he was ready to, I mean... He was ready to fight for me. I mean, he was in fifth grade. He was looking at a kid twice his size. And he was like, Rah! he was mad. He was ready to fight. He was to fight for me. So I, I, I was, you know, on the cement and I started laughing. And I just had this like, oh, I love Dan Perkins. So, so, so I, I, but I, I felt that feeling. I felt like he likes me. He's willing to put himself in harm's way. Not always intelligently, you know, but come on. But he was fighting for me. He was, he loved me enough to go, I'm not, I'm not okay with this. I don't like, I don't like the position that you're in. So I want to better your life and I'm going to fight for you, David. And so as a fifth grader, he jumps in and he's, he's willing to fight for me. I experienced this uh, a couple years ago. I went down to Honduras and my family has been sponsoring as one of our compassion, as our, our compassion kid, a little boy named Luis. And uh, so this little boy named uh, Luis, who lives in Honduras, uh, my kids uh, have been writing and le- him letters, and, and he's been the, the, the young man that we've been sponsoring. And so I had the privilege, not many people get to do this, but I got to go to Honduras, and I got to meet him after we'd been, we had sponsored him when he was uh, quite a bit younger. It had been quite a few years that we'd been sponsoring him, and so we'd been 
having letters go back and forth between my family and his. And, and I'll, I just, I'll never forget going to his house and, 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 and being there with his, it was actually his grandparents and his mother. He came from a, a, a home where he had a single parent. And, and that family was so thankful. They just looked at me and they were, they were just filled with gratitude. And in a sense, they were, they were just filled with gratitude because I was fighting for them. Because we didn't really know each other in terms of until that day, seeing each other face to face. But my family living here in a blessed nation like the United States, and they lived in a poorer nation in Honduras. And there was this gratitude for this family that would fight for them, that would care enough to give sacrificially for them. So tonight, I want you to think about who you're fighting for. I want you to think about who are the friends in your junior high and your high school that you're fighting for. And when I say fighting for, what I mean is that ultimately everybody has an eternal destiny. Every single man, every single woman, every single teenager, every young man, every young woman will spend an eternity either with God forever or without him. And where we end up eternally is actually the most important thing in terms of our lives. What our lives look like in terms of knowing Jesus, that's really the most important thing. Undoubtedly, there's other important things in our lives, but the most important thing is relationship with God. That is the most important thing. And so if you are fighting for someone, if you have someone that you really care about, the thing that you desire more than anything else is to take them to Jesus. Is to take them to the one who saves them, to the one who heals them, to the one who prepares a better way for them and a better life for them. That's the most important thing. In fact, we find that story in Mark chapter 2, and I want us to read that together. A few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw T-H-E-I-R, their faith. Now that's interesting to me. Not when he saw the faith of the paralyzed man. When he saw the faith of the paralyzed man's friends. When Jesus saw the faith of the friends. When Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in the full in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So I want you to see this story here. You can imagine this paralyzed man 
possibly lying on the side of the road. That's the primary way that paralyzed people would provide for an income as they would be beggars. Of course, in our culture today, we take care of them and it looks a little bit different. But in this culture, the primary way that they could take care of themselves was to beg. Most of the time, it was on the side of the road or maybe in some area where lots of people were walking. They tried to, they tried to yell and scream out. And, you know, it's the same thing. Blind people would do the same thing. Where they, would, where they would beg, and the way that they would take care of themselves would be to beg. And this paralyzed man had been probably paralyzed for a long time. And I want you to look at the resilience of his friends. Can you imagine if he, he has four friends? And I don't know what these four friends are like. We don't get much of the story in terms of their personalities or what, what there is about them. But think about this. There is the rumor. There is the story. There's a legend. There's the reality. We've heard the story that this man named Jesus is in town. He's in Capernaum. And we've heard that he heals. And we've got a friend who desperately needs healing. And so they take it upon themselves to go, we're going to take him to Jesus. Undoubtedly, there's other paralyzed men along the road that never had good enough friends to take them to Jesus. But there is one man who had four friends that decided they were going to go kind of an uncommon way because they loved their friends so much that they were willing to fight for him. They were willing to take him to Jesus. And it's really interesting because when you read this story, two things happen. Not only... Does he receive salvation? Not only does Jesus look at him and say, son, your sins are forgiven. But in addition to that, Jesus actually heals him and the paralyzed man walks. But think about this moment. Think about the moment when these four guys who are radically committed to helping him pick him up. They're carrying him over and they're going to take him to Jesus. And they get there and there's so many people that they can't get in. That's the moment where most of us would stop. We would say, well, you know what? I've had one conversation with my friend about Jesus. I've talked a little bit about it. He told me that he was an atheist. I decided I didn't want to bug him. And so I just left it. But not these friends. No, these friends, they weren't willing to stop just when things got hard. They said, okay, there's a crowd. What do we do? Well, maybe we should just give up. That's what most of us do. We just give up. It's hard. Oh, it's uncomfortable. And here we find these four friends. They don't give up. They look at each other and go, dude, we got to get him in. You got an idea? I don't know. We could like beat these people up. No, that's not the Jesus wouldn't like that. I don't think he'd heal him if we did that. What are we going to do? We could wait until they all leave. Eh, I don't think that'll work either. And one of them, probably the crazy one, goes, dude, I got an idea. Let's climb up on the roof and make a hole in the roof and drop him through the roof. I can imagine the other three friends go, that's the worst idea yet. You got to be crazy. You, go, they, you got a better idea? No, nope, I don't got a better idea. Let's go with the moron's idea. <laughs> and before you know it, true story, they take, imagine carrying your paralyzed friend onto the roof. I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I mean, typically in this part of the world, in this season of time, they were usually flat roofs. So the guess is, is probably it was a flat roof. But I mean, it's definitely awkward. I mean, you're like trying to, you know, jump up and you're carrying him and don't drop him. <laughs> he was already paralyzed, you know. Like, no, you might kill him. No, just shut up. Hand him to me, you know, like. They get him up on the roof. 
and four friends, probably sweating, probably nervous. I'd be nervous. I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is Jesus who sometimes he seems to be really, really kind. And sometimes people do things and he's like, um, away from me, I never knew you. I mean, you know, sometimes he looks at Peter and calls him Satan. I mean, <laughs> there's moments where you're like, he's, he's opinionated. I mean, this could go bad for us. We're going to intentionally damage property and interrupt Jesus' sermon. Like, if this happened to me, I'd be ticked, right? Like, if we were here in the tent and somebody, like, like created, like, made a hole in the ceiling right now, I'd be like, what is going on? You know, like, stop it, right? I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus. I'm just saying it's awkward, right? It's this awkward moment. And so they drop him in. Not drop him, but lower him. I don't know how it worked exactly. And of course, Jesus looks at him. And the, the intriguing thing to me in the text that Mark points out is he doesn't say the faith of the paralyzed man. Jesus was wowed by the faith of his friends. And that man received healing because of the faith of his friends. Because his friends weren't willing to let him sit on the side of the road. My question for you is this. What friends do you have that are on the side of the road They're paralyzed, not physically, but they're far from God. They're friends that you know, that you have, that aren't walking with Jesus. And your temptation is to just be like, yeah, too awkward. I'm just going to let it be. I live in a culture where they can go Google search God and figure it out if they want to. But the truth is, is that Jesus looks at his disciples in John 15. He says, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. So as we talk about friendships, I want to ask you what kind of friend you're going to be to a generation that needs you to take them to Jesus. To take them. Take them to where Jesus is at. That's what these friends did. They went through the struggle and the discomfort. That's my question. Are you willing are you willing to look at this year and go, I, and maybe even imagine people in your mind and think of them right now that you go, they're far from God. They don't know Jesus. And instead of just being okay with that, saying, that's not okay. On my watch, it's, that's, that's not okay. I've got just a few years in high school with them. I've got just a few years in junior high with them. And I'm going to be like one of the friends that goes through the discomfort to take them to Jesus. I'm going to take him to the place of healing. I'm going to take him to the place of salvation. How do we do that? I want you to take just a minute. I want you to just picture him. Just, and once you've, once you've got a few people in your mind, a few friends that you know and that are far from God, once you've got those in your, head, in your mind, I just want you to just raise your hand. All right? Just people that you know, far from Jesus. Good. Hands everywhere. That's good. All right? Now, my first, my first encouragement is that we pray for them. So we're actually going to do that right now. Instead of this being just a monologue where I talk to you about go do things, I want you to take just a minute and we're going to put it in pr- into practice right now. I want you to just pray right now that that person, maybe you thought of one, maybe two, maybe three, I want you to pray that they would come to know Jesus this school year. Okay? Take 30 seconds. I want you to just pray for them right now. Go.
Father, we lift up, God, with hundreds of young people in the room tonight, and each one of them praying for two or three others. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that those young people, Lord God, would encounter you. Lord God, that you would be their savior, that they would experience you and know you and walk with you. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would use us to be a light, that you would use us to be truly lights that show them Jesus. Open up opportunities, open up doors, open up ways. Father, we ask for this in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, that they would come to know you in Jesus' name. And we pray that they would be miserable in living for themselves in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord God, that there would be supernatural activity in their lives. Lord God, that you would open up the ways and doors and opportunities for us to have conversations with them. In Jesus' name, we pray for them. Amen. I believe the first thing for, to do is to pray for them. That's the way to start. Number one way is just to start thinking of specific people to pray for them. I've told you this story before, but I'll never forget as an eighth grader, just praying for one of my friends to come to know Jesus, just one friend. And he actually wasn't a friend. He was a guy I couldn't stand. Uh, but I started to pray for him and to see him come to know Jesus was powerful and it put courage in my heart that God works today. And so when we were in high school, what we started to do was just to pick out three different people. All of us, we, we just had, back then we didn't have Bibles on, you know, iTouches and iPhones and iPads and Androids and all that. We had old school paper Bibles. I don't know if you know what that is, but... Um, and so what we, what we would do is we, we just took sticky notes, like those yellow sticky notes, and we just write down three different people that we were praying for. Three different, three different people that we were going to pray that they would come to know Jesus. And, that, and asking God to open up the opportunity for us to be a light for those specific three people. And so I want to encourage you, I want you to pick out just, just three people. I, I would encourage guys to pray for guys, girls to pray for girls. Dudes, don't be like, you know, the three hottest girls in school. I'm praying for those three. God, just open up the opportunities, you know. Not like, I'm talking about like three people that you've got a burden on your heart that you're like, I want, I want to, I know that they're far from God and I want to help them come to know Jesus. And so you start to pray for them. And here's what happens. When you start to pray for them, God starts to give you his heart for them. And so it goes from just being kind of a casual friendship to like, you look at them and you think about their eternal destiny. You care about them. You love, you actually start to love them. We find that in Philippians 1. We find the idea where Paul says, and I long for you with the affections of Christ. That's what he says in verse 8. And then in verse 9, he says, and this is my prayer. How did Paul start to love them with the affections of Christ? Praying for him. And I'll tell you this, you will start to love the people that you pray for. It, it starts to happen. God downloads his heart. He puts his heart in you when you start to pray for him. You see this all the time, right? With parents, right? Praying parents, they love their psychotic, crazy kids, right? Why? Because they're praying for them, right? God's given them his heart for them. You see it all the time. So I want to encourage you to pick out three people. Three people. And maybe it's the three people that you just mentioned. Maybe, it's just that maybe you just prayed for one. Maybe you prayed for two or three. But I want to invite you to pick out three and, just, and then just when you're alone with God, just say, God, give me your heart for, and then fill the name in the blank. Three people that are totally far from God, like Dan, Stefan, Brandon. You know, three people that you just are, those are just the three I thought of, but, you know, three, 
three people, whatever, whatever names you think of, you know, three people that you're like, God, I want you to do something in their lives. God, I want you to break in, all right? Okay, so if you're going to do that, if you're with me, you think I can do that, just raise your hand. Let me see, okay? All right? Okay, that's a lot. That's, that's most of us, all right? So we're going to start, and we're going to be intentional about praying for three specific people this year, asking for God to do something powerful in their lives. All right, here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. Start to just listen to them, just to listen. You know, one of the things that we find Jesus doing when he's with his disciples is he's always asking them questions. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, who do you say that I, who, who do you say that I am? He's asking questions, all right? Uh, and and, and one, of the, one of the things that you'll do is as you ask questions, ask them about, it doesn't have, you don't have to start with asking about their faith. Start with just asking about their lives. You know, how, you can start off with just simple questions, but people love, love to start to share. They need a place where they feel like they can trust you. But if you'll start to just ask and just be a listener, be intentional about just listening, not telling your story, not always talking about how great you are, how cool you are, trying to dress cool, act cool, be cool so that they like you. If you will just ask questions and just listen to them and just they'll start to open up and trust will start to grow. And you'll start to care more about them because you'll know more about them. And it will give you content to pray for. Because when you start to ask specific questions and say, not to ask them to tell you about their lives and they start to open up, then you can, next time, you can go be praying for them. And you can even say this, let me, I'm, I'm gonna, I wanna pray for that situation. I'm gonna pray for your parents. I'm gonna, I, wanna pr- I wanna pray for you. And they'll first freak out like, oh dude, oh, that's so weird. And then, you, and then you're like, no, 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 no. I, I just, I want what's best for you. And I'm a Christian and I just wanna pray for you. Are you okay with that? Uh, I don't, uh, okay, if you want to. Okay, great. Okay? rarely, rarely does anyone say, no, don't pray for me. Most of the time, people are like, thank you. That's, you pray for me? Yeah. Okay, cool, all right? So just, just listen to them. So start off by praying for them. Then when you listen, when you just listen to them, you'll start to develop, you'll start to know them more. They will start to trust you more. You'll start to care more. So just think about being intentional about how can you just listen to them? How can you just, you know, whether it's, whether it's going to lunch together, whether it's hanging out together, you know, whatever it is, even if it's talking on the phone, whatever it is, but just listen, just listen, just dig into their lives. And just, here's, here's the thing that I've noticed. A lot of times when we think about Christianity, we think about it like, uh, I'm going to just kind of be this magical light to my campus, right? Just, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to leave DSM on Wednesday night and I'm going to just glow on Thursday, right? And I'm going to wait till people ask me why I'm glowing, Right? Doesn't happen that way, right? Nobody looks at you and goes, wow, you're so different. Did you go to church last night? You know, that doesn't happen, right? Here's what happens. It's when we do things that are uncomfortable and we're slowly taking them to Jesus. And it's really simple. It's like, tell me about your story. Maybe you buy them a gift, you know? You, no, that's weird. No, 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 I, I don't know. Like, Look at, look at your situation on the athletic teams, in school. What can you do for other people? How can you listen to them? How can you give to them? How can you help them? How can you do things for them that just kind of blow their mind? Like it's, it's audacious generosity. It's, and you'll, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised how people will, will actually, not quickly, but over time, start to respond to you positively when you pray for them, listen to them, give to them. All right? And then I want to encourage you to do this. This, is, this one takes boldness. But start to invite them. 
Invite them to, you're at the prayer meeting that you lead on your campus. One of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why we have cadres is because sometimes it might be easier to invite them to a cadre than even to, to a DSM or retreat. Sometimes it's easier to say, hey, we've got about, you know, 15 of us that are gathering tonight at so-and-so's house. And for some people, that's like, oh, sweet, cool. Some of them, for you to invite them to DSM, that's not that hard, and you can do that. Some of, that's why, you know, one of the reasons why we do retreat as well is we want a place where you can go, dude, we're going to like go up into the mountains and we're going to all dress up for the theme dinner and you totally got to come because we're, you know, we're doing like, I don't know what we're doing this year, Star Wars and we need an R2-D2 or whatever, you know, like, is that a person? Okay. And, uh, and uh, I, I had a fear for a moment, like that was like Superman or something, but... Um, <laughs> And so I want to encourage you to actually invite them, like actually bring them, you know, like, like say, okay, so you start with praying for them and then you move towards really listening and building relationship and then just be a friend, give to them, be sacrificial in how you give to them and then maybe invite them, invite them to the, and, and it doesn't have to be to these things. Maybe you invite them to something else, but, but you want to take them to the place where they can encounter God, right? And so you hear a, a lot of times, um, it's, a, it's kind of even what Mason said a minute ago, all right, where Mason talked about she went to retreat, and it wasn't so much about the retreat, it was about what God did at the retreat. But you needed the environment, right? We created an environment where God showed up and did something in Mason's heart, in Mason's life, all right? And that's the dream, that's the goal, is Brandon and I are working hard that, that this would be a place that, that people encounter God. And so we would invite you, bring your friends to these cadre groups. Bring them to retreat. Bring them to Wednesday night. Bring them on Sunday morning if you want to. But just be intentional. It takes, it takes a little bit of courage. But even as, I, as we talked about the four friends that did that for their paralyzed friend, be courageous like that. Take that risk. I want to tell you this story. Um, it happened for me. When I was a senior, uh, I'd been doing the Jesus thing strong and... Um, I had a friend who was like uh, a partier and, and we, we had really become friends my junior year because my junior year, we, um, we had this thing at my school that was, it was called Panther Pals and it was where high school students went and we would go to sixth grade um, classes and we would tell them about what it's like to be in high school and, and you know, it was like, you know, kind of this program or whatever and, 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 and so just randomly... Um, the two of us were put together and we were, the, we would go to one of the elementary schools and we'd go in and, and, uh, and we'd go to the sixth grade class and we were kind of, you know, connecting with sixth graders and tell them not to be scared about high school and high school's actually not, it's really fun and it's all that. It's trying to build relationship between elementary and high school schools, high school. And so, and so he and I started to become friends. And so we were, you know, we were kind of in different groups, uh, I was, I, I, well, anyways, just socially, we were kind of in different groups, but we started to become buds. He was a big-time partier, and I was kind of a student council, you know, Jesus kind of guy. And, and so, uh, we, he, we, over, that, over that year, he'd talk to me about partying, and he'd invite me, and, and I would decline, and then I'd invite him to, you know, some things I did, and he'd laugh. And, and, and we just kind of had that for my junior year. That was just kind of the, the way that it worked. And... And every time he would drive and I'd, I'd sit shotgun and we'd go to this elementary school. And we, and, but, we'd, but we started to become friends. We started to really connect. And I started to learn a little bit about his life. And I went over to his house and met his parents. And we kind of became friends. He met, you know, my parents. He'd come over. I had a pool table. He'd come over. He'd play pool. And um, 
So we, we just started, just kind of become friends. We were actually on really, before that, we weren't even hardly connected at all. And then the beginning of our senior year, uh, he said to me, he said, all right, David. So it was August, it was, you know, like late August. And we had a big, like, back to school dance type thing. And he and I were setting up and working on it. And so we had to run some errands to go make it work. And, and, uh, and he goes, well, this is the year. This is it. Our last year of high school. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, I just want you to know I have a personal goal for your life. And I was like, what? And he goes, my goal is that by the end of this year, you've been drunk so many times. He goes, my goal is but by the end of this year that you will not be the kind of the Jesus freak kind of guy, but man, I'm going to have you with girls and I'm going to have you drunk. I'm even going to try to have you, you know, living, hanging out with my friends, doing my thing. And, and I laughed and said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I thought, I said, actually, I have a goal for your life this year. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, by the end of this year, you are going to be a pew jumping Jesus freak just like me. And, uh, <laughs> I know you guys don't even know what pews are, but in my old church, that's what we have. And, uh, and he laughed and he goes, yeah, right. And I said, well, yeah, right. And, and so we kind of laughed about it and it was kind of the end of that. Went through our whole senior year and, uh, I'll just, I'll never forget. I w- went over, we, we, be, we actually became really close friends my senior year. We were kind of casual friends my junior year, but my senior year, we just became really good buds, really good friends. And um, I was staying over at his house uh, like one of the weekends in May as we were kind of getting towards the end of the year. And so we had all the graduation festivities. I went to a really big high school, and so we had lots of kids in our class. And, and uh, so he and I were actually on the team that was helping prepare for commencement and all that kind of stuff. And so he, uh, I, I'm, I'm staying the night over at his house. I'm, lay, I'm sleeping on the floor. And, and uh, we were, you know, talking, just hanging out. It was kind of getting late. And he, and, and so this was, you know, now about nine months later and he said, all right. I said, what? He goes, you win. So I went, what, what did uh, I, I, I didn't even connect it. And he goes, he goes, I, 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 I totally, I want to do that. I want to do the Jesus thing. He goes, I, I've just, I've seen the, the life. I've seen the joy in it. He goes, I, I, this parting thing is, this is, this is a dead end. I, I, I see it. He goes, let's do it. What do we got to do? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you know, don't I pray? Don't you leave? I'm like phenomenal evangelist right here, you know? I'm like not even knowing what to do. And he's like, don't you like pray with me or something? And I was like, oh, oh, oh that, that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just, I'll, I'll never forget that night, just, just praying together. And I prayed with him. He prayed and, 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 and God turned his life around. God turned his, his whole life around and he became a, a follower of Jesus that night. And I want to encourage you guys, as we, as we begin this new year, I want to invite you not to think about kind of going to this year being a light for Jesus and fighting for your friends as, as kind of theoretical or just, I want you to be strategic. I want you to think about a few people that you're really going to focus in on. Maybe they're people that it just seems like the Lord's just opened up the door. You know, somehow you're connected. I was randomly, you know, with this guy. We just became friends because we were both, you know, in this, in this program together. 
Who are the people that God's put in your life? Who are the people on your, on your football team, your volleyball team? Who are the people in your classes? Who, who, who are the friends? Who are the people that you could strategically choose to be the light of Jesus for? Who are the ones? Pray for them. Listen to their story. Sacrifice. Give. Invite. Be intentional. But fight for your friends. Jesus said, the greatest thing you can do is lay down your life for your friends. Greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. I want to invite you, you know, sometimes I feel like, sometimes in teen culture, we talk so much about um, the idea of you become like your friends and, and be careful who your friends are. And, and sometimes it, it creates a reaction in us that we're like kind of scared to be friends. But the biblical mandate is to really be friends. It's just to be the right kind of friend. It's to be the friend that isn't trying to be like other people so that you'll be accepted. It's the one who is ultimately knows what is best for those people, which the answer is Jesus, and then befriends them with a greater purpose than popularity and feeling cool. It's that they would come to know Jesus. The best thing you can do is to be a great friend, to help them come to know Jesus, to help them walk with Jesus, to help them encounter Jesus, to help them love Jesus. And you know what? It's not theoretical. It's not dreamy. It happens all the time. There's so many different stories just in DSM over the, over the years where young people have been so intentional and then brought their friend to DSM. Their friend gives their lives to Jesus and God does great things. So I'd like to invite you to stand and I want you to take a few moments and we're just going to be intentional. I'd like to invite uh, the musicians to come on up. And I want us just to conclude tonight committing to the Lord that we are going to intentionally fight for our friends. And if you are a junior high student, this is for you. If you're a high school student, this is for you. If you're in DLA, this is for you. And I want to encourage you. This doesn't even just have to be your school anymore. Like, I feel like it kind of used to be, like it used to be those would be the only people that we really knew, right? Those were our only friends. But now... In a socially networked world, this could be someone that you know that you're just connected via Facebook. Maybe it's someone that you, uh, that you used to go to school with and now you guys don't go to the same school, but you still have a burden for them. Sometimes I've noticed, uh, sometimes when you're in a separate environment, that can be the most strategic time. And, 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 and they'll be vulnerable and open up. So maybe you've come to DLA this year and there's people that are back home that are on your heart or they've gone to another university somewhere else. I don't want you to be limited by, by distance. I think, actually, in the internet age, you, you, we can use the, the internet and social networking as ways to really love and be close to and help our friends. So I want you to take a, a minute and I want you to think about three people, three friends, it can, actually, let's do this. It can be one, two, or three. Because if, if, if three aren't, count, you know, if you're not thinking of three, that's fine. But one, two, or three. And then once you've got that in your head, you've just, you know who you're praying for. You know who you're fighting for. That's the friend that you're going to take to Jesus like the four friends took the paralytic man. You know who that is. You know who that person is. Listen, there is a whole generation of teenagers that are like the paralyzed man on the side of the road. And they are desperate for a friend to take them to Jesus. And tonight, we want to do that. We want to be people that do that.
So once you've got, once you've got a friend or some friends that you're ready to fight for, I just want you to just raise your hand high and we're going to pray together. You've got it? Wow, everywhere. All right. Good. Good. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up. What's represented is literally thousands of friends that need you. And we ask that you would help us, strengthen us, enable us to give, to sacrifice, to pray. We lift up these people that you've called us to reach. And we pray, Lord, that you would do a miracle. God, it's you that draws them, but we want to be the agents, Lord God, that you use. You're doing the work, but use us. Spend us. Help us. May our ego, our love for fashion, our love for greed, our love for being popular, may none of those things hinder us or keep us from fulfilling being great friends. We want to lay down our lives. We want to be good friends. We want to lay down our lives for our friends and let them see Jesus. To do a miracle, we pray. Have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all of DSM said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big shout out tonight. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.